0: One month ago, the congregation here at Mount Juliet sent a team to Tanzania. Tanzania is a country in East Africa, and our team went to the city of Arusha, which is in the northeast part of Tanzania. Here is the team that you sent, and we call this uh, Safari for Souls. And it was uh, an amazing time. We want to share some Bible verses and some experiences that we had. Romans 1.16 says... For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. I'm so grateful that our Mount Juliet family is not ashamed of the gospel and cares so much about souls. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God on the campaign not all accepted the gift of salvation but there were many many that were hungry and thirsty for God's word and they clung to the truth and we got to experience that in acts 247 after reading this and seeing all the people becoming Christians every day we were we were thinking we are we are living this as we're here in Tanzania acts 247 says Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The Safari for Souls was purely evangelistic so we conducted Bible studies and these pictures were taken one afternoon after lunch as we were waiting to go back out. There were five group Bible studies before we left to do more Bible studies and it was amazing to see and actually as we were conducting we had to take a break for some baptisms. The people in Tanzania were very receptive to the Bible studies. They they wanted to study God's word. They had great attention spans, and they were, after studying for an hour or more, you didn't feel like you were inconveniencing them. They wanted to study even more. Most of the Bible studies were where people lived. And I would say that we were in their homes, but it, I wouldn't really call it a home. They, they'd have uh, rooms kind of around like a courtyard-type area. And in that area is where they would cook using charcoal. And there might be like chickens running around or, or rabbits in, in one of the cases of my uh, Bible study. We're so grateful that 65 souls were added to the kingdom in Tanzania. And during the Bible studies, we we had a plan. We had a very specific plan for our lessons, lessons one through five. Lesson one was on the prodigal son and how we all fall short of God's glory. Two was on the Bible and the importance of God's word. And lesson three was on love and obedience and how we show our love to Christ. Lesson four was the gospel and the plan of salvation. After one Bible study I was in, after lesson three, talking about love and obedience, the group had one question for me. They said, "We love God, and we want to obey His commands. How do we know what His commands are?" I just about jumped out of my chair, and I was so thankful to be able to hand them Bibles and then tell them we 'd be back to study more." And I did give them an answer. And the following study shared the gospel and three wanted to become Christians. So we have Elizabeth, Juma, and Ruth became Christians out of that study. It was such a a thrill, it was so fun to study with people who were receptive to God's word. It was powerful to live that out. And we'd like to say thank you. So many of you donated and you did send us to Tanzania and some of you personally donated for Bibles. And it was so wonderful to be able to hand them out. And most people do not have a Bible. The lady on the left, Mary, Lacey gave her a Bible. And she was over, so overcome with joy that she was crying when she received her Bible. David Shannon gave the young man on the right a Bible. His name is David also. And David is the one that literally hugged and kissed his Bible. They're so grateful for the Bible and thank you for donating and sending us so that we could give Bibles to them. They are hungry and thirsty for God's word. This is Jennifer. She's rejoicing after becoming a Christian and she's hugging Margaret McPeak. And you can see how happy she is. And she's so grateful that she invited her neighbor Jackson to study the Bible. And Jackson is here on the left. He studied with Tyler and he became a Christian. And not only that, but Jennifer invited her parents and Jennifer's parents came and studied and they became Christians. So it continues on and on. Jennifer was so grateful that even though she makes very little money and had a great sacrifice to herself, bought a gift for Margaret of that beautiful dress. We are going to be telling many of our stories and we have several of us speaking and David Burke will be next to speak here. and. In Tanzania, the churches there, most of them do not have elders, and the church in Arusha does not have elders yet. They're close. And they just had a leadership conference when they were talking about the importance of elders. And one of the members of the church was so excited that we had an elder and his wife on the trip with us that one of the guys came up to me and said, hey, can I meet him? I was like, yeah, I'm not like his agent. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go talk to him. And the life expectancy is fairly short in Tanzania, and they're not used to seeing gray hair. It's, it's a little bit uncommon. And so they, they were so excited, and, and David Burka did such a, a wonderful job. And here is a, a new Christian's class on Sunday morning that David taught. And David also uh, led singing. And one, one thing, you know, I felt like, oh, we're, we're running him ragged. But uh, David told me, he said, I want God to use me up. And so I I pray that all of us would have that attitude where we want God to use us up in his service. They had an affectionate name for uh, uh, David uh, Babu, which means uh, grandfather in Swahili. So I'd like to call uh, Babu up now.
1: Yes, I can meet you at any time and any place. Uh, I'm I'm willing to sign autographs. The the Babu, I'm the Babu in Africa. Uh, We really need to thank Daniel Nordstrom for his leadership on this trip. This trip would not have happened without his leadership. Uh, it, It was amazing to see him in action. I went to Tanzania to do a little church work and to go on a safari. What I did not count on was that it would touch my heart and forever changed the way I viewed the gospel. To see the good news fall on eager ears was amazing. God was allowing us to be His hands and His feet in a very dark place in the world. The people were so excited to hear our message. It was like being plucked up and placed in the first century church. That's what it was really like. The people were so eager. I knew I was not in America... When After my first Bible study, a lady bowed down to me to thank me for having a Bible study with her. I said, oh, don't do that. Get up. We're all one in Christ. My first Bible study. It would be impossible for all 10 of us or all 11 of us to tell our stories. We'd be here all evening, and I know we don't want that. But let me just share, just to give you a little glimpse into some of the Bible studies that that I was a part of in, in my little world. It starts off with three ladies, Andrea, Jackie, and Catherine. And before that, it starts off with a breakfast table. As we had breakfast that first morning at a pretty nice restaurant, we were getting ready to leave, and Sid Altman, a man that had been there for 18 or 19 times over and over, said, do not leave one scrap on that breakfast plate. You take that and put it in a little paper bag and carry that with you today. God will use that to open doors. And I'm telling you, I'm here to tell you today that a lady was baptized because of that. I took my scrap of, of, of in my basket, my little bag, and took it out and met a lady named Andrea. And I gave that to her. And she lived in a very, very tiny place, chickens running around. She had a, a, a young baby, a very, very small room. But I gave her that food, and she thought that was the greatest blessing that she had ever had. And we went in and had a Bible study with her. And after the Bible study, we said, can we come back tomorrow? She said, oh, yes, please come back. So the next day, we go back, and we're sitting outside her little place. It was so small, we couldn't all get in there. Sitting on a dusty road with chickens running around. She had a baby to her breast. Little children running around. Busy people walking up and down the sidewalk. And we start having a Bible study right there. About midway through the Bible study, a young lady came by, she was very well dressed. She was almost regal in appearance. And she started speaking Swahili to my translator in a very tense tone. I could tell it wasn't just a friendly conversation. They were really having some back and forth. And I said to my translator, what is she talking, what is she saying? And And the translator said, she is telling the person you're studying with, do not believe that white man he's here to deceive you do not believe the white man i thought oh i've never been in a situation quite like that i said ask her if she would like to study the bible and i said that to my translator and this lady could speak enough english that she understood that she's oh she said oh yes i want to study the bible i thought oh boy now what am i going to do i got a crowd i've got a crowd of people gathering around she's being real tense And I I said, why don't we do it tomorrow? Now, you that go on stateside know that if somebody puts a Bible study off until tomorrow, there's usually about a 10% chance that's actually going to happen. So she said, tomorrow I will study with you. And sure enough, the next day, the first person we met was Jackie. And she wanted to study the Bible. So we took her back to the, to the church building and had a two or three hour Bible study with her. And through many tears, she told us about her, her troubled past, about an abusive relationship, about being separated from her children. But she, at the end of the Bible study, she said, I need to obey the gospel. And we baptized that young lady that day. There's a picture of her right there, Jackie. And from that moment on, through the rest of the, the mission, the, our mission trip, she was right by our side. We'd go on a Bible study, she would wanna go with us. If we, had to ha- we were talking and the, and the person couldn't understand the text, she was there to straighten that out. She was really instrumental in helping us meet other people. We went to her home, had a Bible study with a lady named Catherine, who was her next door neighbor. And Catherine was baptized. And then we had a Bible study with Jackie's sister and her fiance, and he wanted to be baptized, but we ran out of time. At four o'clock on the last day that we were there, he wanted to be baptized, but we had to leave. Oh, brethren, if we'd had one more week, we could have done so much more. It was amazing. The gospel was spreading like wildfire over there. People wanted to know. They were eager to hear the gospel. It was an amazing, amazing trip. The lady that we took the food to after many, many mornings of a breakfast meal, And many many bible studies the sunday after we left she was baptized into christ as well an amazing story i still keep up with jackie on facebook she's there every day and the other day i asked her i said how's andrea doing the lady that we fed and she writes back i asked jackie about Andrea. and her reply was i go to visit her and i buy her food to give her i don't have much money i am not a rich person but i am rich in christ and have true love to all the peoples of Christ. It's an amazing story. They're amazing people. And thank you for sending us. And we're going back soon. Thank you very much.
2: So I was asked to uh, speak about our personal growth, or my personal growth, uh, while we were on this trip. Um, on the, the first day that we were there, um, I was walking with my translator down a set of railroad tracks. You can see it in on one of the pictures um, to get to the uh, to our Bible study. Uh, it was not active railroad. There was not an active uh, train on that track at any time, so no worries there. But um, we would walk down it every day, and on the first day we were walking, it, it was probably a ten to fifteen minute walk, and. Um, my translator's name was Emmanuel, he was 66, and he, uh, we were just small talk, how long you've been a Christian, you know, things like that. And he asked, um, so how many people have you baptized? And I said, you know, I've, I've never baptized anybody. And he said, okay. He said, well, uh, well, how many people have you studied with that have been baptized? And um, said, I said, n- none, the same answer. He said, Okay. And I'll be honest with you, I was embarrassed to give that answer. I'm embarrassed to tell you that right now. Um, here I am, 8,000 miles away from home, or something like that. It's a long way um, to share the gospel, and I'm not good at that here. It was, it was a very it was a sobering moment, you know. It kind of halted me for a second. And uh, we, we kept chatting, and I said, well, how many people have you baptized? Any 50 or 60 or something like that? And I said, well, I'll catch you one of these days. We uh, we kept walking. We got to our study, and uh, you would walk into to a Bible study, and uh, there might be a, a Muslim lady, a Catholic, and a Pentecostal. And I know that sounds like the start of a bad joke, but it, that's what those are the studies that we had on a daily basis. Everybody was there. Uh, it would be maybe one person, but a lot of times it was a group of people, and people would be coming in and out throughout the study. So. Um, we weren't sure what questions we were gonna get. Um, when you've got people like that, you've got a diverse background. Uh, they've heard a lot of different things. They've been taught a lot of different things. Uh, some don't believe in Jesus, some do. Uh, and what we, what I realized was, you had to be really, really prepared for the questions that you were gonna get. And I noticed that uh, every day, in the morning at breakfast, on the ride home back to the school that we were staying with, uh, that we were staying at at night, uh, you could hear conversations being had. People asking about, you know, where can I find that verse? Everybody wanted to be more prepared for their study the next day, um, because um, we, our desire to grow in the Word just continued to increase. I feel like every day that we were there. Um, and uh, it was really cool to see that we had uh, Mr. David Shannon there, uh, our uh, minister, we had an elder there. Uh, and to be able to pick their brains and to, uh, to try to put things together because we wanted to, to be as effective as we could possibly be while we were there. Um, my wife Lacey was on the trip and there was a picture of a lady that she had studied with, her name was Mary, uh, that had cried when she got the Bible. and. Um, Lacey had studied with her four times i think and at the end of the fourth study she said "Uh, what do you think you need to do and she said i need to be baptized and so let's go do it and she said well i'm not ready okay well i'll come back tomorrow did that for a couple of days and i think at the end of like the sixth day she said what do you think you need to do well i need to be baptized okay well let's go do it i'm not ready and she said well well tell me about that why are you not ready uh and she kind of dug in a little bit and said um, the school that it was either her daughter or granddaughter, I think it was her granddaughter, the school that my granddaughter goes to, um, the church that I attend, it's close by to the church that you guys are at, and they pay for her school. And if I get baptized and join uh, your church, they will quit paying for my, my daughter's school. And Lacey told me that she looked at her translator and said, didn't, she didn't say anything. She looked at her and her translator said, you got to tell her. So they went to Second uh, Thessalonians, uh, chapter 1, verse 5 through 9, that it talks about, uh, we're, we're going to suffer on this earth, you will suffer for the kingdom, and uh, we will get relief, but the ones who do not obey the gospel, uh, verse 9 says, uh, there will be eternal destruction. And Mary, uh, that day, went and uh, obeyed the gospel and was added into Christ, uh, and is our sister in Christ. Um, the uh, the main takeaways for me from this trip, um, it really did increase my desire to want to know God's Word better. Uh, the better that we know it, the better that I know it, the more effectively I can share it. Uh, and it increased my belief and faith that God's Word is powerful and it, that it is convicting. Uh, we saw over and over how powerful God's Word was. Uh, there was no need to sugarcoat it or make it fancy or add to it. Um, All we had to do was be willing to share it, uh, be able to share it, and uh, God uh, would, uh, people were convicted and and they chose to follow God uh, simply through his, through the the teaching that the Bible gives us and through his word. Uh, I look, like Mr. Berker said, I look forward to going back again. Uh, It was an awesome trip. Thank you.
3: Joshua 1, nine says this. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I want to talk to you just a few seconds, a few minutes about getting outside our comfort zones. We all have them. It's easy for us to really kind of get stuck in those comfort zones. I use that word getting stuck kind of like... I thought about something uh, maybe just a couple of years ago. I was at work and I had a, a dump truck full of sand. And it had been raining. So you kind of know where this story's going. I'm backing down into a, a field where there's a volleyball court. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, if I can get down there and get this truck unloaded, I can get out. I already have a little bit of courage anyway because it's four wheel drive. Back down there, dump the sand, start back out, hit a bad spot, sink up, mar up. I get in that rut. If we're not careful, we can get in that same rut just by staying in that same comfort zone and we want to do the same thing over and over. But it's not growing. We're not growing if we're staying in the same comfort zone. We have to be willing to get out of that comfort zone. In order for me to go to Africa, I had to leap through a bunch of comfort zones. This plane right here was probably the biggest one. In order for me to go over there I had to fly 18 to 20 hours on a plane and I had never been on a plane before people in Africa still couldn't believe that they were like American has never been on an airplane before like that's me and just thinking about if somebody told me four or five years ago they said in four or five years you're gonna be getting on a plane you're gonna fly 18 to 20 hours across the world to teach people about Jesus at that point, out there, I probably would have been laughing. Not really just because of disrespect, just because it had been my reaction. But then they would have said, You're going to spend two weeks of vacation to do so. You're going to teach these people that don't speak the same language, totally different culture, and you're going to miss opening day of muzzleloader deer season here in Tennessee. At that point, out there, I probably would have been walking. I was like, That person is crazy. There's no way I'm going to miss that. But I did. And I couldn't be more thankful for the opportunity to be able to do it. Now you have to be thinking, well, there's some reason how I got out of that. How did I get out of that comfort zone of of doing those things that I was doing before and and going on a plane and flying all the way across the world? Prayer. Are we praying that we want to be a better servant for God every day? Is it something that's in our prayer? Do we pray to, to God for him to use us as the tool I hope that we do. I started to do that more and more. And when we get that opportunity to be able to step outside that comfort zone, we have to be willing to do it. We're gonna get the opportunities, we're gonna get chances that we've been praying for. But then at that point, we still have to step out. On this next slide, I'm gonna share a verse with you that we're all really familiar with. In Romans 8 and 28, it says, and we know that all things work together for those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. I don't know how many of you might know this story, but on the second day, me and Heather and our translator, Heather was walking back and little boy comes up and grabs me by the hand. And we're walking down this little dirt road. And I'm telling you, I can't describe how fast these beads got on me. It wasn't like a swarm where they're they're like, okay, get ready. They're about to get you. It was like all of a sudden you snap your fingers. They were on me and I am running. I'm trying to get out of there as fast as I can. And at the end of that day, I swelled up pretty bad. And at the end of that day, I knew that the next day I was not going to be able to go into people's houses. Because my face was that distorted. It looked like I had gone 15 rounds with Rocky Balboa. I mean, it was, it was bad. My eyes were swelled shut. It was just one of those things. But the very, next, the very next day, I wasn't going to stay at school. I was going to church. I could be something. I could be an encouragement to the, to the group that was going out or whatever it may be. I was going to be a part of it. It just happened to be that, that afternoon, right after lunch, this group of young men showed up. And uh, I'm not sure, but I kind of became like a little legend there for a couple of days There were several people that were talking to the groups that were going out and they were like Hey, did that guy in that blue shirt that got stung by all those bees did he die yesterday? That was way out and then the closer you got to town. I was I was still alive, but I had just gone to the hospital But anyway, you know that these this group of people right here had talked to them They told them that they were at the church building So they came and I got to study with them and three out of this group right here obeyed the gospel And just to think about, they knew where that church building was. They lived there, they know where it's at. Did they feel comfortable about walking up there? They may not have before, but that day right there, they did. The next slide right here shows another gentleman that when we were doing the the study with the younger guys, he showed up and he was the one that was part of the group that Margaret was studying with. That he kind of sat over to the side and just was just kind of listening. And he was interested and in wanting to come to the church building the next day. So he came to the church building that day and he sat down and we started studying with him and he obeyed the gospel. And he came there every day afterwards to study the gospel and to learn more. And just to think about their hearts are so genuine there and they're so eager to meet us. It's so awesome just to think about people on that side of the, on that side of the world, Loving the gospel that much, and people here won't drive and sit in the air conditioned building, but they walk for miles to come and do it. It really is an encouragement. So I want us to think about, really, tonight, getting outside our comfort zone and being prayerful about it. And then also, just being realizing that, you know, all things do work together. Something bad comes along. God's plan is way better than ours, so let's just stay on track. Thank you.
4: The opening lines of a video that Si Stafford has created to tell about the work in Tanzania begins something like this. The beauty is unmatched. The animals are really wild. 49 million souls are in Tanzania. And almost all of them are in need of the gospel. And I would add to that, and so many of them are eager to hear it it truly is an amazing place i'm thankful for the mount juliet congregation i'm thankful for the love that this congregation has for souls at home throughout america and around the world several years ago when we considered coming to mount juliet one of the things that intrigued us the most was the love for souls that the eldership of this congregation had then, and that has not wavered. We were blessed tremendously with the opportunity to go and be a part, just a small part, just for two weeks, in an amazing work that's been going on for decades in Tanzania. Cy and Stephanie Stafford moved in 1998 to work with this work. Andrew Conley, that had been associated with this work for many years, encouraged them to move the preaching school to a city so that it could have greater outreach. And so in 2001, it moved, it was moved to the western side of Arusha. On the bottom right, I know that's a distant picture, but it gives you the idea of the preaching school is on a 20-acre campus and the school is really nice. Now, I don't mean exactly nice, maybe by, by our standards here in America, but at the same time, it really is neat, clean, new. Uh, you see a picture there on the top left of one of the classrooms. Uh, the dining area is nice. The kitchen is nice. There are two dormitories that will house about 48 students. There's 26 men there presently. It is an intensive two-year study in Bible uh, to prepare men to preach. Uh, There are many graduates now uh, working throughout Tanzania, Kenya, Uganda, and other countries in that area. On the top right side of this screen, you see a picture of a group of men gathered around a tree. These are the 26 students that were in the school, but the school made a provision to allow them to come out and work in our campaign that we were a part of for these two weeks. And so occasionally at lunch, they would gather as a class and they would have some quick instruction as the class that they were doing practical work in, of course, was evangelism class. And so the teacher of the evangelism class would meet with them and it really was a blessing, as already has been mentioned, We stayed there at night, that was our lodging, and it was very comfortable, very comfortable beds, warm showers, Uh, you just couldn't ask uh, for much more. One of the great uh, transitions that they are in the midst of doing right now is that they are seeking to make this school over the next three to five year period of time self-sustaining. On this next slide, we see a picture of the gardens that you see the drip irrigation, the buckets on the end, Uh, they are able through this drip irrigation to raise beautiful gardens that can provide much of the vegetation or vegetables that they need to feed the students. Also on the next screen, you see their uh, new industry, if you will, and it's their chickens. They raise chickens uh, for meat, but they also are raising these chickens for eggs. Now, something kind of unusual to us in Tanzania, because their chickens do not receive the proper nutrition, they what we call the, the yolks or the yellows are not yellow in the eggs. These chickens are some of the few chickens in all of Tanzania that their yolks are really yellow. And so they're gonna be able to sell all the eggs that they can produce to the nicer restaurants in town because they can offer them a quality of egg that they can't receive anywhere else. On this next slide, you see their milk cows. They're milking cows twice a day, and they're also uh, either now or eventually going to be providing their beef as well. Now also, a part of their plan is that uh, they have purchased a pretty nice John Deere tractor, which is really unusual there. Uh, A very uh, generous businessman in Birmingham, Sid Altman, uh, he led us uh, we've already mentioned he's been on 17 or 18 trips there and so he helped lead our trip there also and his work right now with this work is to help them become self-sustaining and so because of his generosity uh, they're able now to have a tractor which is really unusual they're in the process of trying to lease anywhere between two and 400 acres of land and with this they'll be able to not only provide food for themselves but they will have cash crops that they will be able to sell and then uh, in that be able to provide uh, for the expenses also they were in the first stage of converting to solar power Uh, the chicken houses and barns are there now as of they they began that while we were there and once that is proven then they will have solar power uh, for the school as well that's just a little side note about the great work that's happening in the school there the Andrew Connolly school but our mission uh, which we enjoy staying there and learning of that but our mission was to work with this congregation here the Arusha Church of Christ it's a congregation of about 120 people and it is a strong healthy vibrant congregation any of us could go in today this sunday and we would walk out very very encouraged by their faithfulness by their abilities the men that lead singing are very capable the preacher godfrey is very capable those that that whether they're waiting on tables or just things that need to be done if you know like the behind the scenes things about campaigns the work was so organized it was amazing there was always somebody there to take care of the baptistry linens there was always somebody there to cook there was the teams were so organized there was never that time of waiting around and saying okay we have a a large group and we don't know what the next move is Uh, they really really were impressive so as to just try to give you just a quick snapshot of what the campaign consisted of so there were workers uh, that were working from the church very capable teachers in the church then the 26 preaching students they came and helped, which was unusual because most, most mission work that takes place over there from the states, they go in the summertime. And so we were very unusual. As a matter of fact, I think it was one of the first times that a group came in the fall time. And so the directors of the school made the decision to let the guys out of school for two weeks for them to help. And so then you had our small group of 11 from Mount Juliet, which you're seeing many of us guys, but you know, you've seen already a picture of the women were amazing in the work that they did from Mount Juliet. All of them conducted Bible studies with women. And so, so it was really three elements. It was the church, the 26 students and the 11 from Mount Juliet and god blessed those efforts richly on about the fourth or fifth day i heard one of the translators say you know we're probably going to break a record i just thought when you went to arusha and did a campaign you always baptize a lot of people every day and i said what do you mean break a record and they said we've never had a campaign here where there were more than 36 people baptized said we're real early in this campaign and we're going to go over 36 today. And, and as you know, there was 61 while we we're there. And shortly after that, at least four more have been baptized. And you know, everybody was, was kind of contemplating why has this been so successful? But I, I really think it was that marriage of such a strong congregation that brought so many workers and the school brought so many workers. And then uh, all of us that were on the campaign participated in Bible studies and so it was truly a rich blessing. Here are some pictures of a few of the baptisms. And it's the first time that I have ever been a part of a work anywhere where, in the middle of the campaign, the baptismal water had to be changed because it was dirty, it was overused. During the middle, it was like, we've got to take time. And, and they dipped out with a bucket. They, they dipped out every bit of that water and, and cleaned the baptistry and continued uh, uh, shortly after with, with more baptisms. After this, uh, as I've already mentioned, they, they had made wonderful plans, but nobody had planned on this many baptisms. Keep in mind, we're a congregation of 120 people and there was 50% that many baptisms. And so the last morning, Uh, we would be leaving out flying out that late afternoon evening and so the leaders of the church uh, got together and we all sat down to come up with a plan of how to follow up with this many people isn't that a great challenge to have and so we came up with three tiers where each group would have its own leadership so that the work would continue at its fullness and so one leader was designated to keep the momentum going of continually setting up new Bible studies because there was a lot being talked about in the community around us. The second leader was established to make sure that the leaders that, the, the Bible studies that were underway, but they had not yet been completed, all four or five studies, that those would continue. And then there was another leader put in place and is actually Godfrey, the preacher, the one on the far right. He was going to be the leader that is taking care of working with the 65 that have been baptized to make sure that they have 52 lessons of new convert studies now how awesome is that the money that you gave for bibles we bought all those bibles and we've already talked about what that meant to them we had some left over when we were in this meeting they said how are we going to pay to run off these lessons 65 times, it'll cost somewhere in the neighborhood of $400. And looked at Burka and looking over at Daniel and everybody agreed, said, we've got that extra money. We we can help provide the teaching material for these new Christians. And that's because of you, your generosity. We know ultimately it's because of God and his generosity. And so it was really amazing to leave this campaign and realize that the work was in such good hands and that it was going to continue in such a wonderful way. So what can we do? I want to encourage you to continue praying for the church in Arusha. I want to encourage you to continue to pray specifically for those 65 new converts. I want to encourage you... To just be aware of the fact that perhaps we were a blessing and an encouragement to them but I think that you need to know that they were just as much a blessing and encouragement to us there are faithful godly children of God all around this world there are faithful dedicated churches that belong to the Lord all around this world And it was so good to be there in tanzania and see that we want to say a huge thank you to those of you that helped send that helped buy bibles that prayed that encouraged again we want to say a huge thank you to daniel nordstrom a lot of hours that he put into this work We want to say thank you to David and Melissa Burke. He serving as an elder was such a rich blessing to have on this trip, not only for the souls there in Tanzania, but also for all of us. And I want to close by just reading a scripture, and and I think we can do this and and like get out on time. So how's that for a mission report night? And and but as we read this, I just want to tell you why I thought about this passage. I realized that. Most of us in this room have not been to Tanzania. So how should you feel? How should you feel about a good report about people that you've never met? You've only heard about them. When I thought about that, and and I was trying to think, what scripture applies to that kind of setting? And I immediately thought of Colossians because as far as we know, Paul did not establish a church in Colossae. And when he wrote the letter of Colossians, he had not yet even visited it as far as we know. And so here he's writing to them and he's saying things to them only because he's heard good things. And so as you hear this, I just want to ask you as we close tonight, do you have a heart like Paul's? A heart that truly cares for souls even though you haven't met them, you've heard the good things about them. And so let's read this, let's think about this and then we'll extend an invitation. Verse three, Paul says about people that he's never met, the, the best we know. He says, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. I hope that this week there will be hundreds of people that will pray uh, for the new converts and for the church there in Arusha. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for the saints, we're telling you tonight, they have a great faith in Christ Jesus and they have a great love for the children of God and for the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven of which you heard before in the word and the truth and the gospel they have that hope because the same source that we have that hope the word the truth of the gospel has been obeyed by them which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit i love that phrase The gospel was preached sometime in your life and you obeyed it and it brought forth fruit. The gospel was preached around the world and they accepted it and obeyed it and it brought forth fruit. Have you contemplated lately the power of the gospel? Any nation, any tribe, any tongue, the gospel has the power to change lives. And so we close as it's also among you since the day you heard and knew of the grace of God and truth. As you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. And so in that last phrase, I want to be kind of like an Epaphras, and I don't want to just give you a report about Tanzania. I want to tell you that there are people there that they love the Lord. Their love in the Spirit is genuine. But what about that same gospel and its power tonight here? If you're not a child of God, would you surrender your life to the truth, the word, the gospel? Would you become a Christian tonight and let the fruit of the gospel take fruit in your life? Tonight, is there anything we can do to help you move closer to God? If you're ready to be baptized into Christ or if you're ready to be restored, If we can help you, come as we stand, as we sing.